Well, hello, everyone. It's JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled here in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is Tuesday, August the 1st, 2023, and I am so excited about the guests that we've got on the program today. No stranger to the NBW audience, and that is David Fiorazzo. And this is kind of a role reversal, you know, the, the pupil has sort of become the teacher in a way because uh, David has uh, been doing radio and TV and uh, media for many, many years. I've been so blessed by his friendship and his mentorship. Uh, he first had me on uh, Stand Up For The Truth, which he used to host and hosted for many years. Uh, two or three years ago now, it's been. And that was the first time I had met him. And since then, we've interacted in a variety of settings. Uh, and we've had him out at Plum Creek Chapel. And just a great uh, man of God. And most more importantly, just a, a great uh, brother in the Lord who's really out on the front lines uh, for the body of Christ. So I'll bring him on here in just a moment. Can't wait to talk with him about what's going on in his life, and as always, to kind of dissect and provide some insights on what's going on in this crazy mixed-up world. But uh, we've got a great week uh, this week. You know, yesterday we did uh, Dr. Hickson Answers Your Questions, Episode 4, and then uh, tonight, of course, we've got Prophecy Night, our standing uh, event in the Denver metro area. If you're in that area, come see us at Plum Creek Chapel tonight at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Otherwise, we live stream that. Uh, we get quite an audience on our live stream as well as our video recordings from that session. And tonight we're going to be talking about how the stage is being set astronomically and how all eyes are on the sky. And so I hope you'll come out for that or tune in uh, for that uh, tonight. Uh, rounding out the week, we've got uh, our world events update with Randy tomorrow. Thursday, I've got Leo Homan back on. Really looking forward to discussing uh, current events with him. He's written some really great articles in the last week that I can't wait to kind of dig into. On Friday, Lucas Doremus is back on to continue our discussion of the enigmatic parables of the kingdom. And those are very important uh, parables and a, a key part of scripture when Jesus teaches about the coming kingdom and gives some new information about the kingdom. And then, of course, uh, Saturday, we have our uh, limited series that we're doing on preparedness. And this coming uh, Saturday, we're going to talk about how to prepare for an economic collapse. So uh, that's the week. Looking forward to it. Uh, but today, we're talking to David Fiorazzo about the scandal on of the cross. And uh, to introduce our topic, I want to read some lyrics here from a Michael Card song that some of our listeners may be familiar with. Uh, he, he said, the seers and the prophets had foretold it long ago that the long-awaited one would make men stumble, but they were looking for a king to conquer and to kill. Who'd have ever thought he'd be so meek and humble, but he will be the truth that will offend them one and all, a stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And many will be broken so that he can make them whole. But many will be crushed and lose their own soul. The scandal on of the cross. David, you wrote an article here, uh, I think it was this week, uh, in which you talked about uh, how the, the cross is such an offense uh, to liberals and to skeptics and to leftists. Uh, welcome to the program, David. Thanks so much for being with us. And uh, tell us a little bit about that article. Well, thank you, JB, for having me. And uh, I, I too appreciate your friendship as well. It was great spending time with you, not only at Plum Creek Chapel, but over at the Liberty Pastors Conference uh, in, was it Dallas? Oh, no, Edmond. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma, we went to the right? one in Oklahoma. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's just been a blessing. So I appreciate you and your ministry so much. 
Um, well, it's interesting, not surprising, that the lefties are removing symbols of Christianity from across the country. And we can talk about this later, but there's a really interesting parallel with what Hitler did in Nazi Germany by removing the cross and putting in Mein Kampf, taking God's word out, putting in man's word. But um, the spiritual dynamic behind this, as you and I both are very familiar with, it's war. Mm -hmm. uh, Ephesians 6 and other places talk about spiritual warfare. What's happening spiritually is manifesting, obviously, in the natural, physical realm. So you see people that are offended by the cross or Christianity. Now, I will add that some of these people that are removing crosses, they don't even believe the Bible is true. You know, they might call Jesus a myth, and yet they're removing symbols. Why is that? Well, because of the spiritual dynamic of this warfare. And I just want to share um, 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So mm -hmm. the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, but there is also the power of God that is the cross. Um, and so that's why they are offended. That's why the demons, the ranks, the minions, they're offended by this. And so they're using human subjects, minions throughout the nation. And it started many, many, many decades ago. If we want to go back to the 1960s, when they took the cross, the cross Bible prayer out of the public schools. But yes, so this is no surprise that a little cross that stands on a hill in a small town outside of San Francisco, it's been there for 50 years. Last year, they took it down. And now the Lions Club is trying to purchase this small teeny plot of land that the cross stands on so that they can put the cross back up. And so there's a legal battle going on. Wow. No, yeah. not, not surprising. <laughs> Yeah, and not surprising that it would happen in California, of course. But yeah, that passage <laughs> that you read, well, that's where we get the word scandalon, actually. It's, uh, if you read on, uh, as I'm sure you're familiar with this passage, Paul goes on uh, to say, this is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, you mentioned verse 18, a fantastic uh, verse there, the message of the cross is foolishness mm -hmm. to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. You know, Romans 1 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who yes. believes. But Paul goes on to say, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And then he goes on to say, the Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a scandalon, a stumbling block. And that word is used 15 times in the New Testament. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's it talks about how the, the cross is, you know, for us, it's the symbol of redemption. It's Amen. a symbol of our hope and the fact that our sin debt has been paid, uh, and the fact that uh, Jesus didn't stay on the cross, uh, he rose again the third day. And But to those who don't know the Lord, to those who have not believed the gospel, it is a stumbling block. So here's this little cross, not hurting anybody. I, I don't know. I mean, that cross isn't animated, right? It's not like AI oh. embodied and you know punching people in the nose or something, right? So so it's just sitting there, been there for 50 years, and uh, all yep. of a sudden it's a problem, right? Yes. And uh, that's, that's what happens. Why do people hate the cross so much? You, you know, what's your thought? Well, I think it's, it's obviously what it represents. 
Um, the cross represents Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. So if they can, and by the way, believers are representatives. We are his ambassadors. So they want to wipe out any reminders that there is a God. Now, this is convenient for them because then if they don't have these reminders, these visual symbols that they can eradicate Christianity, so to speak, then they don't have to deal with their conscience that has been seared, right? Uh, they don't have to deal with their their own sin uh, because to them it doesn't exist because God doesn't exist. So they're, they're trying to convince themselves. So they now are coming out of the woodwork, it seems, more and more and more just on the attack. Mm. And I think we need to know how to respond to these things, JB. Um, some might say, well, just let them do it. You know, they're going to do it anyway. They're going to tear it down. Well, I want to read from one of the mayors. It's interesting when you go to their words, how are they thinking about these things? What do they think? Is this just, you know, they're intolerant of Christianity? Well, that's part of it. But one, the, the mayor at the time said, I want to reiterate that neither the city council nor the city of Albany endorses in any way the lighting of the cross for any occasion. I think they lit it up for Christmas and Easter. Uh, religious or nationalistic or supports its continued presence on public property. So there's absolutely no reason, she's saying, that they would tolerate the presence of the cross in public, basically. So, and this brings in a whole nother conversation about the public square and the the, the so-called separation of church and state, which is the biggest, second biggest lie in America next to Darwinian evolution. So I wrote a chapter on that in my previous book, The Second Biggest Lie in America, which is the separation of church and state. But that this is what they've been pushing. They flipped that on its head, saying, now we've got to remove any resemblance, any evidence of the Christian faith. And so the, the attacks are going to become more personal. It's not just going to be a cross on the hill. It's going to be believers who are lights in this world, who are evidence of the God we serve, they're going to want to get us out of there too. They don't want the reminders. One more thing, JB, another quote from the new mayor of Albany, uh, California, Aaron Heidman. He implied that the cross and what it stands for was against the values of the people there. Now, you and I wouldn't disagree with that because we're talking about California. We can talk about Illinois. We might say New York. We might sadly talk about maybe some in Colorado, but let's read what he said. He said, the city has actually put its money where its mouth is. And our city looks a little bit more accepting now in a way that we think is consistent with our values. For the small local group of people that really want to see the cross stay, when you've had such privilege for so long, losing it feels like being oppressed. That's going to be an adjustment for folk, but I think we will get used to it, and I think it's a real benefit. So there's a lot to unpack here, JB, mm. but one thing I agree with him on, first of all, is that people will get used to it. <laughs> think, of, think of what's happened since the early 1960s, and when they started removing Christian symbols from the government-run education system, What you leave a pretty big... Oh, pretty big gap of a vacuum. You got to fill it with something. So you take the cross out, you take the Bible out, you take voluntary prayer, which was basically, thank you for this day. God bless our country and our teachers. It was such a benign <laughs> prayer that they were upset about in 1962, 63. Uh, so they take that out of the public schools. Something's got to fill that void. So he's talking about 
Well, I know it might sound like it's it's abrupt or oppressive at first, but people will just get used to it. And JB, sadly, Americans, Christians, we have gotten used to it. Uh-huh. And I think I think we want to be quote unquote tolerant, but I think we def- define that in, in a way that's maybe not healthy and it's not good for the gospel but because i think we need to defend the faith i think we need to speak up for these values and we are so blessed in this country to have the constitution and the first amendment but here they are they have taken a lot of ground and the church has basically waved the white flag and surrendered the ground amen yeah i mean it's uh you're right. He's telegraphing what their game plan is that, uh, you know, over time, you'll just get used to it. It's the old frog in the yeah. kettle. But, you know, we're living yeah. in a time when intelligent people are silenced so that stupid people won't be offended. I mean, that's really that's really what <laughs> that's we're talking about. And, 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 and that, you know, that, uh, you know, that word offended, that's another way that that word scandal on is translated. If you go to first Peter chapter two, uh, beginning in verse six, Peter says, therefore, it is also contained in the scripture Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. In other words, God's chosen nation of Israel. Ultimately, in the seed of you know, seed of Israel is Christ, and he who believes in Him will by no means put to shame. He's quoting from Isaiah twenty-eight uh, there, and then he goes on to say, "Therefore, to you who believe, kind of like what Paul said, He is precious. But to those who are disobedient." The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, quoting from the mm. Messianic Psalm 118. And then he quotes one more Old Testament passage in, from Isaiah 8. He says, and it's become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That's yes. the scandal on. And so it's amazing how, you know, such a a, a to- so-called tolerant agenda or you know, that's demanding tolerance can be so easily offended and so intolerant, uh, it's just it's just hard to get your hands around. And it's not that complicated. I mean, these people uh, ought to to know better. I mean, how can you sit there and with a straight face defend your, you know, your abuse, uh, of, you know, of Christians and tearing down crosses and yet claim to champion a tolerance? <laughs> yeah, more accepting. He says they're more accepting. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Talk about, you know, the great big pot calling the kettle black. I mean, this is like, uh, you know, look in the mirror. I just, I don't understand it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's a sign of the times, you know, uh, that that guy, that mayor probably didn't realize he was embodying and fulfilling scripture because Peter, I mean, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.13, evil men and imposters will get worse and worse, deceiving yeah. and being deceived. So this guy's deceived into, you know, thinking that, you know, he has a constitutional right to strip away any semblance of Christianity, yet he's also deceiving others with these smooth talking and flattering words, you know. Yeah, he said, uh, by removing the cross, our city looks a bit more accepting now. Let's talk about that for a moment, because what that what that assumes is to remove Christianity and what we believe as Christians remove basically saying um, homosexuality is a sin. Marriage is only between one man and one woman. That's God ordained natural marriage. That is not accepting. 
So Christians are not accepting. That's what the, he's implying there. You remove the cross, you remove what it stands for in the Christian faith because it's not accepting, but we are accepting. And it's interesting, right? Absolutely, we we yeah. are accepting by removing the cross, by, by silencing them, we are accepting. I think they're trying yeah. to convince themselves. It's it's exactly what scripture talks about at the end of Judges, calling evil good and good evil. And it's turning, it's deconstructing language, turning it on its head. It would be like saying that, you know, Hitler put up signs in the early days of the war saying no Jews allowed to be more accepting. You know, I, I want to be more accepting. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put up signs and say the Jews aren't welcome. It's the exact opposite of accepting. It's exclusionary. Yeah. It's ex, you know, it's uh it's rejecting people. So but I want to go back to why the cross in particular, as we think about the scandal on of the cross, is so offensive. Uh and 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 I think it comes down to what you said that it represents the victory and it represents uh everything the opposite of what this guy said, because remember, Jesus is the one said, who said, uh, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, you know, that's right. T talk about accepting it's whosoever will let him come drink of the water of life freely. And so it, but, mm -hmm. but it represents um, uh, God's victory over Satan. That's why Satan hates the cross. You know, it's, it's kind of like when he sees a cross, it, it brings up the fact that he's a great big loser. That, that yeah, Jesus Christ God. defeated death, hell, and the grave when Satan thought he had won. It's it's kind of like, you know, whenever I see a Green Bay Packers insignia, I just Careful. get depressed. I know. No, I'm doing this on purpose because, you know, I got to give you a little, I got to give you a little dig being there from Green Bay. One of these days, you know, you'll move down to the Holy Land, but that's okay. Uh, you're in exile now. That's it. But, but we need people in exile to preach the gospel. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you know, you see the Packers and the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, that playoff game a few years ago where the referees made a bad call on that Des Bryant catch and said it wasn't a catch and we ended up losing that game in overtime and and it just brings back the thought that you know we lost well the cross reminds satan and his followers that they lost and yeah. so they want to and and also satan has another sort of strategic angle here and that is he knows that it's only through the cross as you said that people can come to faith and be saved and and, and right. switch from being a child of wrath to being a child of god by faith so he wants to obscure it to blind men's hearts to it second corinthians 4 4 uh yeah your thoughts well yeah first of all i think satan loved the cross up until easter morning resurrection morning when the, the, <laughs> jesus was uh taken out of there when you know, he was raised from the dead the resurrection is the ultimate victory amen um so he loved it up until then so no no longer is the cross a symbol of victory for satan it is a symbol of his defeat and uh, eternal life um but it's interesting jb uh, the the point that they often, they meaning those who would oppose or be offended by the cross or the message of the gospel, um, they would be offended because they say uh, Christianity is so exclusive. But I, I think of, you shared a scripture, I think of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, in the, in, in the son, would come to have everlasting life. Just believe and you can have everlasting yeah. life. But yet Jesus is the only way, the truth and yeah. the life. No one comes to the fight. So it's a very exclusive, but it's inclusive. It's inclusive of anyone. It's inviting anyone to come, whosoever believes. So yeah, it's, it's both. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's, it's, a, it's a gift. So it'd be like if I had three people, 
you know, lined up three of my friends, and let's say you're one of them, and I give each of you a gift. But when I get to you, you say, no, thanks, I don't want that gift. And the other two get this wonderful gift, you know, maybe it's a new car or whatever. Uh, and you say, nope, I don't want it. So you don't get anything. Do you then have the right to claim that I excluded you somehow? Of course not. I didn't Good exclude point. you. See, no, yeah. people always wonder, you know, how could a loving God send people to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. He's doing everything he possibly can to rescue us from our own predicament. And if we choose not to receive the free gift, that's on us. I mean, God's not going to yes. force you to believe the gospel. You know, uh, Calvinists teach that you have no choice in the matter. We believe you do. I believe the Bible teaches both free will and sovereignty. And I believe that anyone on earth who in simple childlike faith trusts in Jesus Christ and him alone can have the free gift. But if you don't accept it, and the only means of accepting it is faith, God's not going to force it to on you. He's, that, that's not right. love. Forced love is no love at all. So yeah, you know, they they can claim that Christianity is exclusive. On the one hand, it's exclusive in the sense that it's the only proper and and feasible way to be redeemed from the penalty of sin. That's it's like right. saying two plus two is four. The fact that two plus two is only four and nothing else doesn't make it exclusive in a negative sense. It just makes it right. So uh -huh. you know we're we're simply saying Jesus Christ. You know he's either a, a you know a liar or a lunatic or the Lord, and he said, "I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me." And so, therefore, by his own words, you know, he's the only way. But it's, uh, but it's not exclusive in the sense that somehow people are left out. Anyone no, can come. Not at come. all. Not Anyone at all. can come. Yeah. I think I think it's convenient to use that as an argument. Oh, they're just so intolerant and exclusive. Yeah. Um, but but it's really not. I mean, as, and as you said, I mean, people have to trample over the Son of God and the blood shed for them in order to get to hell. You know, I mean, right. God sent Jesus and what he went through and endured his atoning sacrifice on the cross, even, even leading up to that, the abuse, oh, yeah. the, 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 the torture. I mean, Isaiah, Isaiah says he was barely recognizable on the cross. Yeah. Um, what he went through. Yes. Yeah. And he was beyond recognition, beyond human, just about, that means it was yeah. a bloody red bruised mess on yeah. the cross. And, and that's how much God loves everybody yeah so and god, god is say, not willing that any should perish you know second right. peter 3 9 we were looking at peter a moment ago god is not willing that any should perish but that all come to repentance that everybody change their mind about whatever it is they're trusting in to, to solve their problem and instead trust in the only solution so that doesn't sound very exclusive to me that god is not willing no. that any should perish but you know you you meant you made a good point a moment ago about the uh the cross and how it's inseparably linked to three days later, the, the resurrection. <laughs> and Paul, putting it in a theological context, says um, that Christ's righteousness shall be imputed to all who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And I listen to this, who was delivered up for our offenses, but raised for our justification. So that first part, you know, he went to the cross to pay a a debt he didn't know because we owed a debt we could never pay. It was because of our offenses, our sins. And it, it's interesting that when we offended a holy God by our sin, God didn't sit back and say, Oh, you've offended me. You're so mean and hateful. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to, you know, exclude you. No, no. He took the extraordinary step. And this is what grace is all about is in spite of our offenses, hmm. when we were yet sinners, Romans five, 
Christ died for us. But don't forget the rest of the story, as you so rightly pointed out. He was raised for our justification. And so the righteousness that heaven demands is perfect righteousness. And the only way to get that perfect righteousness is through the, the shed blood of Christ and trusting in him. And Satan absolutely hates the cross for those reasons. It accomplishes yes. what he can never accomplish. That's right. And that's why one of, one of the reasons what you just said is why the attacks on the image of God, Imago Dei, in mankind, because we are all, every human being is created in his image. Satan hates that. And, mm -hmm. and then you mentioned, you know, I just think of the great exchange. You know, we've done nothing to deserve it, but we just believe and we have now the righteousness of, of God in Christ. It's just, I, I, my human mind still has a hard time wrapping around that nugget of truth. Yeah, you know, uh, thinking about the cross and all that it symbolizes, and, and by the way, that's why, you know, we, we need to make sure that we we understand some of the the uh, important problems with Roman Catholicism. I know you've had Mike Gendron on, um, and I know Mike real well. Uh, we don't always agree on some of our, you know, understandings of Calvinism, things like that, but man, there's nobody better to, to dissect Roman Catholicism. Oh, and, yes. uh, you know, the Roman, Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic crucifix sends the wrong message because it still has Christ on the cross. We don't, you know, use crucifixes. We use an empty cross as our symbol. Mm -hmm. But tonight at, at Prophecy Night, I'm going to be talking about uh, the number of references in the Bible prophetically to looking toward the sky and all that's going to be happening in the sky with the cosmic signs and wonders and even the return of Christ himself and being caught up to meet the Lord in the air uh, at the rapture and so on and so forth. And so, you know, when we look up, you know, remember uh, uh, the Bible, Jesus told Israel, you know, when you see all these signs happening, look up and be watchful for your redemption yeah. is drawing nigh. Uh, yes. When we look up, we're looking for a sign. We're looking for the return of Christ. Well, when we look at the cross, we're recognizing what it symbolizes and we're reminded of our new life in Christ or of the, you know, universal invitation, if you don't already know the Lord, that the cross, uh, you know, bellows out. And so, what we see in the world today, in this world where the whole world is under the sway of, of, of the wicked one, is just the opposite. They put up any and all symbols that they can think of to distract people, right? Mm. And, uh, and, it, and so they, they want people not looking at the cross. Remember, yeah. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Well, that's, that's one way that he's lifted up is through the cross. Uh, but, you know, I, I know, you, you know you're kind of an expert in terms of really having your finger on the pulse of some of these unbelievable things that are happening in this uh, fallen world of ours. But I was shocked to learn, I guess I shouldn't be, but still, uh -huh. it, it just turned my stomach to learn that there's actually a website where people can go to to find gay churches. Yes. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I just came across this um, article uh, yesterday and basically it's don't go there it's gaychurch.org but it promotes churches solely on the basis of lgbtq ideology and quote inclusion and so um it, it's it's interesting that they call it affirming so these affirming congregations will ordain lgbt identifying people to ministry they will perform same-sex marriages and it I think we got to get to the question here, JB, is what then makes a church a mm. church? Because I don't call these churches anymore. If you're not following biblical doctrine, if, and if you don't believe 
and adhere to the biblical worldview, if you strayed from that, um, you can call it anything you want, but you better put church in air quotes. And I think that's what we have to start doing. But we've got to define what is church then? And we yeah. know it's a called out group, called out ones, ecclesia. Um, but here they're trying to make it something. And it's not surprising. None of, none of the surprises. Here, I just want to share from the article. Um, it says, uh, a false church as defined by, by the Belgic Confession ascribes more power and authority to itself and its ordinances than to the word of God. And I think that's what it's come down to. It's come down to departing from the word of God, apostasy, departure, right? They're departing from the word of God. And boy, have we seen this go rampant in America. There's so many buildings and people groups that call themselves churches. Uh, unfortunately, we've got to define the terms now. What you believe? What are your doctrines? Yeah. I mean, uh, by the way, a sister website for that uh, that one you just mentioned uh, is called poisonrestaurant.com, where you can go to eat at restaurants that serve poison and it'll kill you. Because uh, that's really what I'm just kidding. But, uh, but that's kind of what comes to mind, you know, gaychurch.com. Okay, well, that's, that's wonderful. Let's go to this church. It's going to fill our heads with lies, lead us away from the Lord, lead us into a you know, uh, diabolical lifestyle that does nothing but harm your body, harm your life, harm your, you know, your, your psyche and everything. Uh, and you know, it's just, it's just unreal that this exists, but you are spot on. It is absolutely not a church. You know, the church is comprised of, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who have, who know the Lord and are meeting to fulfill the purpose of the local church, uh, which yeah. is clearly outlined in scripture and, and, and involves the great commission. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's we're getting worse and worse. It's setting the stage for this one world religious system in which anything goes. Remember, yes. the Antichrist is going to be a pluralist. You know, he's not going to be an Islamist or, you know, a, a Buddhist or you know some other religion. He's going, you know, even a communist or you know, he's going to, which is a religion, as I know you know. He's not going to be one religion. He's going to embrace all religions. Um, you know, they, they call it welcoming and affirming. I can remember this is yeah. not new. You know, you you know this. This is you've been around doing this a long time. But I can remember 30 years ago when I took my first full-time church. Uh it was in Illinois at the time. And they they there was a big conference in in up in Minneapolis, uh where they were encouraging churches to be more welcoming and affirming of the gay lifestyle. And uh mm. I pitched a fit about it and raised, you know, raised the issue with our church and with our leadership. Uh, and it, you know, it was, uh, something that our church stood firmly against, but, uh, yeah, they've been working on this for a long time. Now it's, yeah. you know, b because we got used to it, going back to that mayor yeah. comment, uh, here yeah. we are three decades later and, you know, people can do it. So yeah, crazy stuff. It's, it, it happened gradually then Suddenly, yeah, seemed, I love that, right? Yep, right? Yep, because yep. It was like they had to replace true biblical Christianity with their perversion of it. And what did they do? Instead of having the cross outside, like the first story we were talking about in California, the little cross on the hill. Now we're talking about a cross outside of a church. They started putting up rainbow flags. Yeah. Ooh, we want to be welcoming and affirming. Well, we're, how does that work in Scripture? That's the I know that's the inclusive part, but so does anything goes. You can so they're preaching another Jesus. They want to be welcome. We've seen the rainbow flags. So this has been a thing that's been happening. I mean, major denominations, the Methodists split over this. We've seen a lot of compromise in churches. 
And uh, it's, it's sad, JB, but not surprising. But why to you and I, why to most Bible-believing Christians who have been paying attention, why is it not surprising? Because yeah. it has been gradual. Because, first of all, there's nothing new under the sun. A couple months ago, uh, there's this guy, um, this, this quote, pastor, that I think it was a Methodist or Episcopal church that was up there preaching that drag is holy. Oh, I saw that. So, yeah, to dress in drag and to yeah. do do this kind of it's it's holy. We're making that holy, but you can you can think you're making anything holy before God, but it's a stench to his in his nostrils. It but, is, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's been very gradual, and then so we're kind of accepting. Well, this is the way of the world, but it's just sad when the world creeps into the church. It is. I mean, I, I remember I showed this. I think recently at a prophecy night or talked about it on a podcast. But there was a picture that that someone sent me from going back to, I think it was the fifties. And it was a downtown evening sky, uh, you know, uh, line view of, I think it was Chicago and several of the notable high rise buildings. It was good Friday and several New York city. Oh, New York city. Okay. And they had crosses. You saw that maybe you said, I don't remember, but yeah, (laughs) now contrast that, you know, in other words, these buildings in the, in a secular culture and a secular site were putting crosses, you know, pick, you know, lighted up crosses on their buildings uh, and and yet here we are 50, 60 years later, and what do they light up? You know, the White House and, and all the monuments and military bases are lighting up in rainbows, you know. Yep. Uh, and and it's just it's just sickening because you know that's that's what that's what's happening. The cross is a scandal on it's a scandal to those who don't know it. It's an offense. Um, and yep. yet they're only hurting themselves, you know, and, and we see where does it lead? It leads to the gender surrender movement. It leads to yep. transgenderism. It leads to gender confusion. It leads to gender affirming. And there's that word again, uh, surgery, even in some states like California of minors. You know, uh, I love what somebody said, you know, if, if kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. I wanted to be a pirate. Thank goodness nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. You know, mm. I mean, ki- these kids yeah. don't these kids don't know what they what they want. And, and oh my goodness, any, any parent that would, you know, willingly subject your child to such surgery uh, ought to be imprisoned, I, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. What what a recipe for disaster. Let's let the children run the run the things and yeah. rule the day and make the decisions. I want to say one thing about the rainbow um, White House and things like that. And, and I always come back to. Um, writing a new book, one of the chapters is, what would our great-grandparents think? And if they were to see the rainbow colors on the White House, our great-grandparents might say, wow, they're using the biblical imagery from Genesis and Noah and the flood and God's covenant promise to never flood the earth again in anger. Now, Second Peter 3 and other places, we know it's going to be fire next yeah. time in judgment, but they'll, they think of the rainbow as God's covenant promise. That was our great-grandparents. But now today, when people see the rainbow, this is the sad hijacking of that beautiful symbol from the Bible, from God's word. Now they think of sexual perversion the lgbtq ideology isn't that a sad transition now it's in your face to god because the rainbow ought to remind people on earth uh all human beings of god's judgment and the fact that he's gracious in spite of his judgment because the flood was judgment it was a warning over and over again hey stop you know rebelling stop living this way and god you know judged them and 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 so you know they took what god 
gave as a reminder of both his judgment and his grace, and have flipped it on his head, stuck it in God's face, and says, we'll show you, you know, we're going to hijack this. And the same thing that Satanists do with the cross, you know, they turn it upside down and use it as a symbol of of, of Satanism. But uh, one more thing before we're we're out of time here. We go, let's go back sure. to the church, the church, and how the church has fallen down on the job and, and is just yeah. apostate, really. Uh, yeah. You sent me a, a, a tweet of a, of a video someone took of a church they were uh-huh. in. Uh, tell, tell us about that. Okay. So basically, they were ha- using the theme of Star Wars for their church. And this was a big life church. I think it was in Colorado. But it may have been the main life church. But um, so you walk in and they've these extravagant sets with literal Star Wars um, machinery, not the actual machines, but they're built to look like the the shooters or whatever you call them, the spaceships and everything, different scenes and sets. That was their theme for the day, I guess. It might be longer than a day, but nonetheless, yeah, they open the church doors. You go in, it almost looks like a museum. You know what the first thing I thought of, JB? I thought of entertainment. Mm-hmm. When give me the book, chapter, and verse from scripture on that we are supposed to use worldly means and use entertainment to draw a crowd. Because that's what some of these so-called churches are doing. They're they're drawing a crowd. They're trying to be like the world. And once I think of Romans 12, too, do not conform to the world's ways, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. They're conforming to be like the world. Okay, so let's just say once you do that, what, what do you do after that? You bring worldly people in that just want to be entertained. You've got to keep entertaining them, otherwise you'll lose them. What do you think? Oh yeah, no, it's it's a slippery slope for sure, and it definitely yeah. misses the point. I, I've got one for you. <laughs> you'll you'll love this. I, this was twenty some odd years ago. I was in academics at the time, uh, and a mega church, kind of like this life church in Colorado, uh, in Houston. I, um, one of my students, gave, you know, uh, told me what was going on there. Uh, and they they their shows were televised and so forth. This was before smartphones, so you couldn't get you know real time social media videos. But they they live stream or you know videoed their services, and you could watch them. So I went back and looked at it, and they were the pastor was beginning a new series on something to the effect of the earthquakes of life was kind of the title. And so to kick off the series, they had their production team do a I'm not kidding a Universal Studios type production on stage at this mega church so much so that it was you know the, the the stage shook there was real fire there was real smoke people were fleeing and and it was like this, this, this simulation of a real earthquake and and even some people in the audience were a little concerned with you know what's is this real is, some, is something really happening here and then mm-hmm. the pastor comes out and the first thing he says yeah i mean you can't make this stuff up he goes Man, that was great. I just want to thank our production team for that excellent illustration of what I'm about to talk about. And you know what? They we only give them ten thousand dollars a week as a budget for their productions for this, and they did a phenomenal job on that. And so, and I'm sitting there thinking, ten thousand dollars. How many gospel tracts could be sent out? How many Bibles could be shipped places? How many evangelistic? And and yet in this in this world, it's all about entertainment, and and it and people you know, miss the the force for the trees. They miss the message because it's yeah. such a production. And that's what church has become. Um, and I can tell you personally, having spoken in 
oh man, thousands literally of churches over the years in our ministry all across the country and in some foreign countries even, but especially in America, we've been in all 50 states and you know, uh, you know, and I've done funerals and weddings and 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 more and more as time goes on, it seems like the Bible teaching preacher, the proclamation of the word is getting eclipsed by everything else. You know, I've had wedding coordinators at big weddings where they people ask me to do their wedding, basically brush me aside and say, no, you can't stand there. You can't do that. You can't speak here. Get out of the way. You're blocking the view of the camera. And it's like, I just want to say, hey, look, you know, this is a covenant between two people and, and God. And right. you know, if you want to come, great. But I, I you know, I'm kind of running this show, you know, sorry. Uh, you know, I don't care where you where you put the flowers or where your cameraman stands. Uh, this is not about that, you know, and, and that's what we see more and more. And so that's why there's a remnant principle in Scripture. Right, David? We've talked about it before yeah. that in general, the big mega churches that are attracting people are, are in general are not you know, on target with God's word and, and the small faithful churches are the ones that, uh, you know, that are. And, and so, uh, yeah, such a time as this, but the, the cross is a scandal on any, any closing yeah. thoughts here. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought God's heart must be grieved mm. with, mm. with just the money that's being, the resources that are being wasted, uh, the time, talents, and treasure, um, when they could be used to save people who are hopeless helpless without Christ, and they are destined for an eternal hell. And uh, here we are putting on productions and entertaining people. And I think if you and I are disturbed by this, imagine the heart of God. And I, I have a hard time. I have great imagination, but mm -hmm. I, just, I really uh, would love to understand that better. But I think he's grieved mm -hmm. um, because, as you said, it's not all churches. It's not all mega churches, but a, a vast majority of them you build something big, you build it and they will come. Well, you got to use some entertaining methods or different worldly methods to get them to come. And um, I, I don't see that as being a disciple oriented, making disciples and gospel focused. I see that being come and get in our building. We have all the programs. We have the coffee shop. We have the gym and you can just live here. You don't need to go out into all the world. And so those are my immediate thoughts on that. One more thing when I uh, when you brought up that image I saw of the, the, the church doing the Star Wars theme. I've seen all kinds of things, acrobatics at a church and different things. It almost looked like a circus, literally a circus. Um, but I was I was disturbed uh, several years ago. I saw one of these mega pastors, these mega church pastors come in. They were doing a behind the scenes camera uh, following him around it as, as a video just to kind of entertain the the flock, I guess. And it just showed him going through the church and throwing all these rooms. I'm thinking, well, the space they have he, he opened up the door and they were in there rehearsing for the next day's worship. And there was smoke and there was like dry ice and there were all these colored lights and all the flashes. And, the, you know, it's flashy, right? The big production, the rock concert for Sunday morning, which I don't know. I, I, I could talk on that, but I won't. Uh, and then they showed him go down the hall into his area or the area for staff. It's a big green room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's got a couch. It's got a you know a, the mini bar, the fridge, and all these different things. I'm going. This is a church yeah. again, JB. Give me the BCV, the book, chapter, and verse yeah. on how this is. Because, like I said, church is not a building. It's not <laughs> something you invite people to to stay and be 
entertained. It's some. It's a group of people. It's called out ones who have a gospel message, a saving gospel to share. So anyway, there are things I think that that disturb us, but I think they must grieve God's heart oh, as well. They they do. They grieve him, and and I think that's why the time is short. I just cannot imagine. Amen. Uh, only the Lord knows, but I just cannot imagine him waiting much longer, seeing what's happening. And you know, I, I you know, I've been in a lot of churches that have green rooms. You know, the bigger the church, the more likely they are to have special events and special right. guest speakers and so forth. But uh, it's all about balance and perspective. I was at a church one time years ago where we launched a a coffee shop, but everything was free. And every table in the coffee shop had little gospel presentations or little puzzles that shared the gospel and tracks. And when people would come up and it was just like a regular cafe. I mean, you could get, we had very expensive uh, espresso machines and all the syrups and everything. And when people would come up, they just couldn't believe it was free. But we were, we trained our volunteers to Mm -hmm. say the same thing every time when people would offer to pay, we'd say, nope, it's free. Just like salvation. You know, have you, that's the way to do it. If you're going to do it, there are ways. Yeah. I mean, we want to be, you know, we want things to be done excellently and we don't want people to be unnecessarily turned off. You know, if your church has old orange shag carpet and your paints peeling off the wall and all that, I mean, there's things that you can do to honor the Lord and make it a comfortable experience. But it's not about being comfortable. It, that's not the driving factor. It's about proclaiming, uh, proclaiming the word. So uh, I'll end where we begin, and then I want to close out by kind of talking about some exciting news uh, from your ministry. Uh, but you know, Michael Card again, these lyrics from that that great song "Scandal On." He said, "The seers and the prophets had foretold it long ago that the long-awaited one would make men stumble. That's Christ." He will be the truth that will offend them one and all, a stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And many will be broken so that he can make them whole, but many will be crushed and lose their own soul. I hope if you're listening today that uh, you are driven to the cross as the only hope of salvation. I hope that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died and rose again to take away your sins. Uh, and if you have already trusted Christ, let's proclaim the cross. Let's hold it high, unashamedly, and uh, don't let the world and and the the enemy uh, kind of shroud it in uh, in secrecy. So, David, uh, thanks for being with us today. So, I want to mention, and I am so excited about this. You've got a a new work coming up. It's going to launch uh, in early September. Uh, a yes. new podcast called Worldview Matters. Tell us about that. Yes, worldview matters. We're going to be tackling all the no, basically no topic off limits, but tackling all the things that are uh, inconvenient or un or controversial uh, in a lot of people's eyes. But yeah, things need to be discussed. We need to give Christians a way to understand what's going on and respond to what's happening in a biblical way. And I'm going to be doing it with some great guests like yourself and others. But it's a podcast, but it's also going to be visual. We are doing video. So it's going to be 30 minutes, uh, I believe, Monday through Thursday, and people can tune in, they can watch, they can share, they can also just subscribe to the audio, which would be a typical audio podcast. Um, The website is not up yet, but it will be worldviewmatters.tv. In the meantime, uh, go to my website, davidfiorazzo.com, and I'll be putting updates and information on, but it's put on by Freedom Project Media and also Harbinger's Daily a news. They're well behind this, and they're going to help promote it and help us launch it, and they are intricately involved. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so just getting some new guests, but also 
you know, talking to some people that I've talked to through the years that I respect in ministry and out in our culture that, as you say, they're the ones fighting the good fight. They're warriors. There are people out there on the front lines. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to them, bring them in, equip and give our audience some information that they can know how to respond to these things going on. All the battles on so many fronts in our country, in our culture, in our world today. Worldview matters. I love that title. Yeah. I wish I'd have thought of it uh, because uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's got kind of a double entendre in a way. It's you know, worldview yes. does matter. You know, it matters what your worldview is, but also there are so many issues and topics related to worldview, so many matters relating to worldview that you can you can cover. So we're going to have you on yeah. back on the Not By Works podcast again later this month, and by then we'll we'll give an update on your podcast. And then uh, again, Great. as he said, for now, go to davidfiorazzo.com for updates. Uh, eventually, the new website for the podcast will be live, but it's starting uh, in September and yes. I can't wait. I hope you I hope the people that are putting this on for you have a lot of bandwidth on their a lot of server space because you're going to get slammed with views. It's going to become an instant hit, I know, because you have you've such a great following. You've you've your voice and your ministry have become just a go-to place for so many people to, def, you know, to depend on hearing the truth and hearing someone, you know, that, that's going to proclaim the truth. And so I uh, can't wait for the Lord to use this and we pray that it goes well. JB, I'm going to quote you on that. The prophet JB Hickson said, <laughs> "Yeah, well, I don't, I don't want to sign up for that job because we know what happens if you're not 100% accurate, and I don't want that." But uh, no, but thank you. Praise God. So thank you guys for listening today. Don't forget Prophecy Night tonight. You can join us in person at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado, a suburb of Denver, or join us by live stream. Really excited about what we're going to be talking about tonight as we begin to talk about uh, how the stage is being set astronomically. We've been talking about how it's being set geopolitically. And we'll come back to that again and again, because every week there's new news on the geopolitical front. Uh, but I really wanted to talk tonight about uh, just the concept of all that's going on in the heavenlies, because as we know, when things are heating up on earth, and they certainly are, that means they're heating up in the unseen realm because the Lord's return is close. Thanks again, David, for being with us. You're welcome. God bless you, brother. Praise God for you and your ministry and everyone out there listening. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you later.